You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, or call me the tour guide. We're actually in the studio today, the Friday before Memorial Weekend. By the time this hits the air, we will have celebrated that three-day holiday. And uh, certainly shout out to the families of uh, those who have served and those who have um, experienced loss because of the service. But uh, our hearts and our prayers go with you and uh, a, a huge gratitude that can really not be expressed in any other shape or form. But uh, anyway, with that said, I do want to introduce the show. I've got a, a guest today. His name is Tyler Horsley. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Tyler is going to help us understand really getting a grip on value proposition. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that I deal with, they've got great ideas and they've built companies that have some good potential, but they struggle with putting that into words or messaging that that can really resonate with ideal clients. So people get hung up on the idea of I need more leads, I need more sales, but how are you going to get there? Who, who are you going to talk to? And how do you know when you're talking to the right people? So hopefully Tyler's going to give us all the magic answers to that and help us 2X and 3X our businesses by the time we're done here in the next hour or so. Uh, no pressure, Tyler. Yeah, sure. Yeah, here's all the magic and uh, everything will be perfect for you forever from here on out. Just so, I, and if yeah. you believe that, right? No. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I can start. I guess just at a at a really high level, and this would kind of apply, you know, SMBs, established businesses, and I, I've even seen a lot of application for Fortune 500 plus. Um, most companies, and I know this from experience, a lot of what I say, both in life, leadership, relationships, and in business growth, is from experience. And I usually say that experience is expensive and painful, and advice is usually uh, free. So take advice from those you trust as much as you can. And uh, if you must go through experience, then so be it. But uh, just so you have kind of a lens to listen to what I'm saying, there's zero bias involved here. But most people, uh, and I learned this from running nuclear networking in the starting years, go to a conference, listen to a podcast like this one, um, and they say, well, I have a business. I need traffic. And as long as I can do this SEO stuff or this digital advertising or whatever the next thing is, if I drive traffic, it'll be an instant success. And where we usually back up quite a bit and look at organizations is, do you know your why? So kind of ripping off Simon Sinek a little bit, but the concept that I'd like everybody to think about is if I put you in an auditorium with a hundred competitors of yours, and the entire stadium was listening to you and you only had 10 seconds to tell us why we should work with you, what would you say? And if the answer is Better Business Bureau, you know, AAA rating, we've been in business for 15 years, family owned, all these things are, even though they're great and they're admirable, if the next 80 people in line have the same story, we don't really stand out. We haven't really captured their attention or added value to their lives. And so that's something that we start with first. Um, just basically asking that question and helping people think about their why first. Yeah. 
Yeah, the why is definitely a valuable question. And yes, I know Simon made it famous with his TED Talk that is, I, I think, still on the short list of maybe top five ever watched TED Talks. And um, he has, you know, since blossomed his own uh, advisory firm. And there's even a spinoff. There is now a Why Institute that will help you with an assessment to determine your why. And that's another whole story. I actually have an episode with the um, one of the senior leaders at the Why Institute, and you know, there's a lot of good information there. But uh, so, how do you usually work with people to try to start that discussion on on finding their why? Yeah, we have. So the short answer is we have a, a proven workshop that we typically run individuals through. And again, anybody and I imagine a lot of individuals listening, they've they've hired marketing firms and might even be working with one now. And most of those uh, conversations typically go, what keywords do you want to show up for? What do you sell, etc.? And let's immediately just put you out there. And Almost every other relationship, and, and I think that's actually what's really underneath the why and why these things are important. In, in a transactional world, if you can start bringing this back to relationally offering value, that, that's what helps people stick out, right? No other place in life, even if it's dating, do you walk up to someone and say, hey, do you want to get married immediately? We just met. And that's how you sell your product right now <laughs> or your service more than likely. It's, hey, you want this product or service? Come here to buy it. And so we, we have a workshop that essentially, you know, opportunity analysis, we, we try to reduce and, and uh, deconstruct competitor strategies just so you kind of know who's in the space, what they're doing as well, because that'll kind of set the bar for what we call, you know, loss leader, tripwire, and, and objective. But essentially, we want to both help people truly understand the value that we're offering, not just from our service and more, but think about an offer that you can't refuse. So if you're scrolling through your phone, which 90% of our searches are loosely right now anyway, for people looking to transact, especially in times of, you know, maybe more urgent or, or, or more responsive search types. So as an example, if I have water coming through my roof, you know, it's either a roofing thing or it's a plumbing thing. And, and like, I need help now, I'm gonna get on my phone and search for that. Um, but our our, our concepts, even though they're simple, it's like if your grandmother or a five-year-old can't understand what to do the moment they get to the page, we're doing it wrong. If they have 15 different options and all these services and contact us and it's not clear, uh, the likelihood that they leave or shop around is fairly high. And so we create really unique funnels from these workshops with one specific objective, right? And I have ADHD, but try to cater to an ADHD culture, right? It's like, no distraction, follow these steps and I'll handhold you through the entire process. And, and when you do that, you see a, a boom in conversion rates. So what do you say to the entrepreneur that, that feeds back? He hears all that and says, yeah, but I'm afraid I'm going to miss some opportunities because what, what I'm hearing is kind of niche down, you know, get, get a sort of a single narrow swim lane to present and what about the guy that says, no, but I do a lot of other stuff. I, I was that guy. <laughs> so I can speak exactly to those people. Um, here's what happens if you knock it out of the park. Here's what happened to me. I won't put this on you. Anybody listening? I, I built myself a prison. 
because I started saying yes to everything. I didn't have any niche. You and naturally as an entrepreneur, it's like we're you you are, you know, designed differently, obviously. So we're we're more risk advert or you know, we have a higher risk tolerance. And so we might go out. Um, but when you see something, especially if you're a sales entrepreneur, there's different types of entrepreneurs, visionaries, integrators, engineer minds, sales minds. If you're a sales mind, closing a deal is what like gives you that dopamine kick. You love it. Like that's one of your favorite things. And so uh, closing a deal, but it might be deliverables outside of your scope, or it might be something that you kind of can do. But now all of a sudden, unless you have a full staff or you have a contractor base that you actually trust, there is only one of you. You have very limited bandwidth. And so as you start saying yes to everything, you're also saying no to other things. We don't think about that a lot. And some of the things you're saying no to is, are you building a scalable company that doesn't involve you to run it every moment of your life? Or are you building yourself worse than a full-time job, right? And so the niche, I think, serves two areas. One, from a constraint standpoint, uh, and there's a study with musicians on this where they're told, hey, you can only use this many bars. Here's your tempo. You know, um, here's, here's the actual chords or notes that you can use as well. And when people are put into these really unique constraints, they actually can perform better and optimize um, the, the assets and resources that they have to get the, the greatest out of them, right? And it kind of makes sense. It's like, if you go to a buffet, you're going to grab a little bit of everything. Maybe you have some food waste and more. But if you only have three things and it's very limited food in front of you, likely you will eat it all. And so the same is true here. I, I think it does us two favors. One, it really requires the visionary or the entrepreneur to think, what do you do really well? It doesn't mean necessarily that you can't do complimentary um, or add-on value services at a later time. But, but the reality is, I would encourage you, look around. Are you genuinely doing something different than the other 19 people in a 10-mile radius selling your customer the same thing? Because the customer on the other end, and I had to learn this the hard way too, we do tons in AI and machine learning and natural language processing, even before ChatGTP came out. No one cares. <laughs> and so I can, if, you, if you've ever read this book, I just conveniently have it here, but like Crossing the Chasm, um, you'll... You, there, there's like this pre-market and like, these are the individuals I was serving, all the tech nerds and all these people that find this stuff uh, really exciting, but the major markets are past that and they may not really care. So I think just to sum this down is really understanding your why and what you do really well. If you can articulate that clearly, you might be able to better communicate that to a buyer who has no idea what you do. Many people that I work with don't know the intricacies of tier one or tier two backlink building, and they don't need to. They just want to grow their business. And so if instead I, I don't dilute our conversation or create decision apathy with all this marketing speak, if I can come out of the gate and say, we grow bottom line revenue for SMBs under $10 million, and we guarantee X growth by six months, or you have your money back. That doesn't require a person to understand marketing, but they understand value, right? And so. Now, kind of speaking to both those both different sides, but I I know there's the easy money right now, but I would highly recommend for trust in the market that you find a niche or or a position just to get people in uh, to an area that you do really well, and then you can cross sell them at a later time once you have that relationship. Yeah, I know the popular tagline is supposed to be some kind of 
proverb, uh, you know, the man who chases two rabbits catches neither. There you go. And um, I, I, and I, I'm, I am with you, Tyler. I, I will confess and attest that I struggle with that because I, I have done and, and do have experience in a number of areas and even in my own uh, presentation for, for my coaching and advisory firm, uh, it, it's hard to really dial it down and, and try to think about that one lane that is the strong point to go out after. Yeah. So, and, and I've got a bit of a ghost voice in, in my back of my mind, and I, I don't mind sharing this publicly. Uh, a number of years ago when I wanted to start my coaching firm, I was visiting with a colleague and friend who's a very well seasoned entrepreneurial CEO. I mean, he in mid cap companies, he's most of the time VC and private equity people would hire him as a CEO and he'd go in. I told him my passion is really helping people with their leadership, being able to stand up as a leader in a moment of, of growth or crisis, either one and really make a difference where they are. And he said, yeah, that's a great idea. And I, I'm with you a hundred percent, but you can't sell leadership. No, yeah. nobody, nobody buys leadership. Hmm. So what are you going to do with that? And, yeah. um, so me, me being the contrarian that I am, I, I agreed and I decided to play a long game. And that's what I named this show is leadership powered by common sense. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the drum and evangelize that idea that, well, people need to stop avoiding the leadership question. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you um, just curious on, on kind of your methodology, but... Are, are you one to believe that, you know, some say leaders are born, obviously there's attributes and more leadership we can always sharpen, right? And then I've also heard that the best leaders are servant leaders. They're just people who choose to go first and they kind of um, set the benchmark for here's here's how it's done and they they exist to serve and support their team. So what what attributes or, or what foundations have you seen just in your career? Um, do you have any any of those phrases that you could kind of stake truth on, or have you seen a mix of everything? I have seen a mix and, and you packed a lot into that question. The, so the first element is, 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 is leadership born or bred. Um, some may argue that true leadership is born. Um, people point to, scripture and some references there that suggest that, that we're all given different gifts and talents and leadership would be one of them and not everybody gets it, you know, but practical experience in the world tells me that there's no doubt there are those people. And interestingly, I'll, I'll share this in my coaching work and I've coached hundreds of, of leaders of all levels the what you might call a natural born leader when they show up to work with me they don't even know <laughs> that that's the common denominator they don't even they don't even see it as a skill or an attribute they're just doing it and when i start kind of going through my method and and, and my framework with them they're kind of going well of course of course that's you know well guess what not everybody knows the 
of course, part of it. Mm-hmm. So the good news is uh, there is that segment of the population that are you might call natural born leaders, but leadership can be learned and can be adapted and can be ingrained in somebody's approach to things, whether they have been appointed some position of authority as a manager. But the big question is, you know, the difference between management and leadership. And I used to ask that question and I used to occasionally get people that weren't sure, but I guess most people seem a little more enlightened now. And that question doesn't, doesn't really work by itself. Is there a difference between management and leadership? The automatic answer is, of course. And then the next question is, well, what is it? That's where people get stumped. (laughs) And my answer to that is, uh, I borrow a phrase from an old friend that says, uh, management is about process and leadership is about people. Interesting. And it's it's the people side of the work we do that requires leadership, not just management. Mm -hmm. I would, um, just to create a, you know, tangentially, I guess that's back to business owners, even listening to this, who are likely leaders in some fashion. I mean, very rarely do people just step out into risk and then create their own source of income and decide to hire people to help them fulfill their vision. It's actually pretty crazy. (laughs) You know, if you just think about what, just inspiration, where that roots from and more um, but I, I think with the same passion and understanding of, I, I always um, kind of, you, you'd reference this too, and maybe time, talents, and treasure, you know, from, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what is your best and highest use? Do people really understand who you really are and what your capabilities are, or do you? And so like back to maybe asking the why, and again, kind of tying that into leadership, a lot of individuals that own companies, whether they're good at managing people, creating process or, or uh, selling products or services, don't or may not necessarily have done this deeper thinking around why, you know, I, I'm doing something because it makes money <clears throat> and, and this is supporting my lifestyle, but why did I really get into this space? Like, what's the passion underneath that? And if you can start showing vulnerability, with value, people will listen to that because that's something both I think in leadership, um, I almost went on a tangent into politics and I will refrain, but like there people just want authenticity and it is, it's lacking, uh, tremendously in our culture and leadership, uh, politics and in business. And I, I think that's like, whether you're trying to sell a product or service, and I know I'm, I'm going way outside the bounds of just, here's how to market, but if you can tug on those heartstrings and genuinely connect with people one-on-one, that is what people respond to. And, and that's really the concept that, you know, that we're talking and thinking about here when you, when you think about the why of what you do and why it's important and why it's impactful. Well, I think you're right. And I, I think it's safe to say that most entrepreneurs, and, and I'm not sure I've met one that would be an exception to what I'm getting ready to say, they commit to start the business with the idea that I'm going to be able not just to make some money, but I'm going to make money to create a lifestyle. 
Yeah. I have a, I have a choice I want to make. I call it freedom, call it independence, call it whatever, but perhaps they've lost the trust and the corporate experience they had. And now they want to leave that and go do something on their own and have that sense of spontaneity and, and independence. But they also generally realize that in order to really achieve some of the financial goals, they've got to get scale. They've, they've got to get mass because unless you're one of those rare individuals that gets to bill at 10,000 an hour, you're, you're not going to trade enough hours for money to, to make some kind of scale or some kind of financial goal that makes sense. So you start creating systems and process that needs more people. And that's where you start breaking down the population of people that commit to entrepreneur endeavors. You start breaking it down into as soon as you commit to start hiring people, you begin to realize whether or not you're able to manage a team, much less lead a team, but just simply manage a team. And you you start bleeding over into the, the thought uh, Gino Wickman explains this very well in his traction book. You know, there are roles in a company. If you're the founder visionary and that's the best, highest and best role you can serve, well, go hire a CEO. Let yeah. somebody else run it, you know, yeah. and, and you can still as majority owner, if, if not a hundred percent owner, you, you can still dictate the direction that you want things to go, but give it to somebody else to run. And that's frankly where a lot of entrepreneurs stumble for the first time. They don't want to give up that. It's a perceived giving up control of my baby. Right. Well, yeah, but if might... you can't, if you can't operate your baby, why, why is that an issue? Well, yeah. You're almost uh, preventing your baby from fully maturing by standing in the way uh, you right. become bottleneck, right? So we, we actually run EOS. I run EOS in all my companies. Um, so just back to Gino and, and traction. Uh, one of the things I love and, and for entrepreneurs, this is like a really good mindset to get into even before, you know, engaging in marketing or really anything. It's what you're alluding to is creating an accountability chart. So it's like how many seats, and that's kind of what he calls it, right person, right seat, like how many seats exist in your organization? And maybe you're doing all of it, but all, you know, most organizations do have, you have a visionary who is leading the charge and the vision of what this company should be, where we're going, et cetera. Um, and to your point as well, um, that visionary may not be the best person to manage people. Genuinely. And so it's like building out that accountability chart. What are the top five responsibilities for each of these seats? The visionary, um, you know, typically big deals, M&A, sales, thought leadership podcasts like we're doing. Um, and then you have an integrator who takes that vision and basically reforms it and cascades that down to the team and makes sure that the visionary's vision is actually executed. And then of course, finance, you know, people ops, marketing, all these things. But if you really spend time and build those out, you very quickly start to realize one, all entrepreneurs out there, myself included, we are not the experts in everything. We want to be Great job, you built something, but if it's ever going to be bigger, hiring people better or smarter or more equipped than we are to sit in those seats, helping them fulfill their highest and best use so we can fulfill ours, back to what you said, helps scale. 
And that might even include marketing. It might even include other types of leadership coaching and training as well. Um, but that's that's the most important thing I've ever integrated in our companies is like that kind of thinking. Well, and then fast forward that whole story, the, the question becomes, you know, what is your end game? You, you want to build this thing, but to what ultimate end? Right. Uh, you know, do you, do you want to just stay in the driver's seat all the way to the bitter end when you physically or mentally can't do it anymore? And what happens then? And Or are you building something to hit a certain level and put it up for sale, try to liquidate it at a premium? But to be able to do that, you have to be able to step away from it and not right. be in the day-to-day. That's right. And uh, if if you're not building everything to get you to that end, you're you're just having a really elaborate hobby. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, just diving into the M and A world a little bit more. I've built and sold you know several companies, and what I tell other entrepreneurs out there, um, there's a book built to sell, and I would not listen to the audiobook. <laughs> Anybody who has, it's just kind of funny. Anyway. I'll, uh, I'll let you discover that on your own if you haven't, but um, really simple concepts. But again, why did you get into this business to begin with? And what is your goal? Like thinking about the end in mind, because we think about, we run into fires, right? Uh, where other people run away, the risk avoidant, we're like, oh, this is a challenge. I can, I could do this, you know, and I, I can grow this, this, that, and the other. And you almost find yourself kind of treading water, looking for the next fire, but you're not seeing the forest, the trees, and you're not um, maybe you don't have the ability at some point you might wake up too busy for your own good. As I have in the past 80 hours a week. And it's like, Whoa, I don't have a life anymore. Like this is it. And I can't get out of it. And I don't have enough time to train someone else to do it. 80% as good as I have because I'm too busy. So um, in the M and a space, you know, for service companies, product companies, and more people, certainly they're going to buy you and your vision and your company, but what they really want to buy is like repeatable process. Right. So back to manager versus leader, hiring an integrator or having a manager in there, building out SOPs and copy, paste, rinse, repeat process. So you can hand a booklet over. Here's how to run your own company, just like mine. Um, that that creates the most value. And, and anybody even considering selling now or in the future, highly, highly recommend listening to to Doug here and just those kind of concepts about um Basically, the, the company does need to run without you. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's it's more worthwhile to start thinking that way now. Right. Well, and inevitably, it, there's an irony that exists that back to the basic entrepreneurial spirit, I, I have frequently run into business owners whose what you might call their core business has reached a certain scale. They're pretty happy about that. They've got some very favorable cash flow flows coming in and their entrepreneurial juices are saying, you know, I can create an adjunct company that can, you know, complement what I'm doing. I can, it can serve this thing, but it'll be another whole company <clears throat> or it, it, it may just be totally unrelated. They're, they're wanting to enter into that serial entrepreneur realm. And Inevitably, when I run into these guys right at the early stage of that thinking, it's like, yeah, but you don't have your first one perfected to the point of giving you the time to go do those other things. 
yeah. you're you're still in day to day. You're right. if if six or eight of your working hours are you turning screws to make the day be a success, mm-hmm. you're not there yet. Right. I, I think uh, just an add, and this is my personal experience. You might also not be able to build all these processes yourself and figure out how to get out of the hole you've dug yourself. And, and that's kind of a weird thing to think through. But I'd also say, and I've, I've kind of pulled the parachute in the past, I've, I've hired um, actually people like you, Doug, and, and other individuals, um, you know, hyper niche, I'd call them integrator, uh, you know, recruiting firms. And essentially, you know, that is the job description. <laughs> like I, I am a CEO, here's the vision of the company, here's our culture. Hopefully you have your VTO done for all the EOS people out there. So the, the integrator kind of knows what your one year, three year, 10 year, five year, you know, all, all of the mapping that you see for your company growth and, and more ahead, but essentially just being vulnerable around, I need somebody to come in here and help me convert everything from my head into a process on paper and help me get out of all these seats. Yeah. And that's essentially what a great integrator will do. Come in and start taking those from you and start delegating out. And certainly profits will be a little lower because you're hiring a high performer, uh, but that stuff pays off you know, exponentially. Right. Well, I had another guest on my show last year. His name is Jamie Jay, and he wrote a great book that uh, it was titled Stop Repeating Yourself. And it, the the premise behind it was just exactly what you're saying, Tyler, is if, if, if you can identify something that you personally are repeating day by day by day or, or even week by week by week, turn it into a process, number one, document it. And there's so many easy tools. I mean, between Google Docs and, uh, you know, video and things like that, you can document the steps that you're going through, turn that into a procedure, a process guide, and begin handing that off to people. Say, here's the roadmap, here's the book. When you get to this transaction, here's what you got to do. I am delegating you the authority to go do this. And even up to and including, I, I had a client who there was a, piece in his process where his social security number needed to get input into a screen on a regular basis. And he didn't want to give that up to anybody. And I said, is there nobody in your company you could trust with that? He said, well, I've got one person. I said, all right, then why is that one person not doing this? Right. (laughs) And uh, he thought about it and he said, you know what? Yeah, we can do that. So it was it was that one little line item out of a procedure that maybe had 30 lines in it that he didn't want to give it up. And because it happened, it was a legal matter that happened to require his Social Security number. And he just Mm -hmm. really didn't want to give that control up. Mm -hmm. But he was bogging down this massive and very high volume, regular repeating requirement. And uh, he finally turned that over and he freed up about two hours in every day as a virtue by virtue of doing that. Yeah. That's a pretty honorable reason not to give something up to. I have been more guilty of less honorable reasons. Right. And it's like perfectionist mindset, attention to detail. We tell ourselves stories. Nobody can do it as great as we can. And it's like, well, 
have I spent adequate time to train them? If not, then that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, scalability automation too is a, I'm a huge fan of automation through project management systems uh, and again, AI. And it's, you might find out out of a hundred step process, like 40% of those things can happen automatically or be outsourced. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of business intelligence that I think that um, I missed, you know, growing these organizations because talking about lead gen for one is like, great, we're bringing in customers, but how do you manage them? And do we answer our phones on time? And do we call them back? And do we put them in an email nurture sequence? Do we have any sales automation? And then when they go through the process, you know, do we actually have formatted processes? So if you go to Chipotle, whether it's in Nebraska or California, you're going to get the same experience, same menu, same everything. And, uh, you know, is that the way that we're running our business? And most times it's not. <laughs> so. Well, you're right. And, and the, I mean, that is the core definition of franchising. They, they, they have a process and a, the output is a defined, reliable, scalable product that, or service that you get. And, you know, if you're a franchisee, you're, you're buying that process to set up a shop and put the brand out there and, and, you know, it, it's that reliability of outcome that is, is the brand value. Yeah. And, you know, if you're hungry for a Big Mac or you're hungry for Chick-fil-A, you, know, right. you, you know what you're going to get. Oh, man. I'm a sucker for Chick-fil-A. I don't know why. It's just so good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. They've, they've hit the right uh, combination. But, um, well, real quick, Tyler, uh, a little bit more. You, you're... Am I right? Your company name is Nuclear Networking or one of your companies? Yeah. Yeah. Nuclear Networking is the engine that drives all the other company activities. So just, you know, less than a 20 second condensed spiel here. Um, Nuclear Networking is a business growth agency. So we're private equity owned. I'm one of the private equity partners here at DRG Invest in Denver. We exist solely to work with organizations who want to grow their bottom line revenue, not just drive traffic, but the entire A to Z thought partnership setting strategy, building out the entire actionable funnels. If this, then that sequence, we set up sales automation as well. We found that a lot of business owners really great at selling their own product. They can talk to you about their product all day long. They made it. Of course they can. But how are you helping solve problems of your prospects and your customers or how are you helping them reach their goals? These are things that we help them better communicate. And we almost automate, you know, uh, maybe 80% of that process, including the actual manicuring, remarketing, uh, auto scheduling customers, those types of things too, because back to the entrepreneurship world, you're probably wearing eight to 20 hats. You probably don't have time to do all these things really well. You don't want to hire a full-time employee. And so that's where we can kind of come in and plug and play into these businesses and help them grow uh, significantly. So um, yeah, nuclear networking is definitely my baby, right? <laughs> Since we're yeah, talking about yeah. allowing our babies to mature. Mm -hmm. I, I got out of the way, just one quick thing I'd say out of that for everybody else listening, it's I, I do sit in the visionary seat. So I have like my top five, here are my core duties and deliverables, but in terms of operational efficiency, I was not the best person. And so stepping away from that, which feels weird, but giving that to people who have run Silicon Valley, triple IPO companies, I mean, like this thing is doing extremely well and, and my life is better for it as well, so. 
Yeah. Well, that sounds like the benediction here. Uh, uh, I, I think that's a, a great lesson to take to heart and, and for people to understand that there there is that it's very much a mental choice and it's an emotional choice to be able to put a box around your highest and best use as that entrepreneur, owner, founder, and and really be able to allow your your baby to grow and mature by by reaching out, getting others that have the right skills and right abilities to shape up and expand and scale this great idea you had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's best for the business? And it's a it's a really simple question to ask. But if you start thinking in that way, as if this was really a baby, you're trying to grow and mature. What is the best for the business? And sometimes that might be you getting out of your own way. Is you sitting in all five of these seats the best for the business? Or would it be better in the long term if you could have this level of sophistication through other people where that's their highest and best use? And that's kind of the the right thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Tyler, how can folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Sure. So whether it's through marketing, uh, you're thinking about buying or selling businesses, et cetera. I, I just like meeting uh, individuals and, and high performers and more weird entrepreneurs. Uh, so you can reach out at Tyler at nuclearnetworking.com or find me at Tyler Horsley at LinkedIn. However, email is better because I don't really check my LinkedIn inbox. I get 150 messages a day. It's a spam fest. So yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. Well, good. Well, as always, folks, we're going to have that information in the show notes here. Just click the links below and you'll you'll be able to pick that up and ping Tyler if you are interested. So one last time, Tyler, thanks for sitting in and really appreciate your input. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the conversation. Yeah. And with that, folks, we're going to bring this one to an end, uh, hook slide in the home base and uh, hope to... Uh, I hope it was helpful for you that you can kind of rethink your mindset about your business and what you need to be doing to keep it growing, keep it scaling, and make it become a highly valued, saleable asset. But uh, with that, we're going to close out, say goodbye, and go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.